Steelers put up a curtain at their facility on the south side. A curtain outdoors. So drones can't spy on their practices. Drones. Whatever big thinker with the Steelers is worried about drones spying on practice, uh, that person needs to get a grip and be a little less self-important. I would bet it was Tomlin. Don't worry about drones. Worry about inside backers. All of your stink. And you just gave some jabroni 20 million bucks. Yikes. This is the Mark Madden Show. Don't ask no stupid questions. And I won't send you away. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Isn't it amazing that a football team so largely built on linebackers over their glorious history now has a bunch of bums at that position. Wow. Uh, Quick thought. With Matthew Thomas having such a great camp, how can he be ignored in the mix at inside backer, even if he is an undrafted rookie free agent? Oh, wait, I know. Give Bince $20 million. That'll solve everything. I know I pick on Bince because he's a buffoon, and especially a social media buffoon. I know he had eight sacks last year. I know he's better in pass coverage than people think. But a lot of his performance last year was based on what he accomplished playing with Shazier. And now Shazier isn't there anymore. The Steelers play the crucial third exhibition game tomorrow at home. And let's see if that defense can be any better. Ben's going to play, but don't worry about Ben. Ben's the one thing you can truly count on when the bullets start flying. That defense just has to be better. Keep your eye on Morgan Burnett, the safety. He's been disappointing so far. Keep your eye on all the DBs and what schemes are used by Keith Butler. Keep your eye on Cam Sutton because he might play his way into a lot of snaps sooner and not later. I've been saying Edmonds might be the breakout guy as a rookie, but it might be Cam Sutton in his second year. Sutton's curse might be he's too versatile. Sutton can play all over the defensive backfield. He's a utility guy, a good utility guy, and sometimes guys who are real versatile don't get to be regulars. If you rank the Steelers' defensive backs from 1 through 10, I wonder where Artie Burns and Sean Davis would be ranked. I wonder where they would be objectively ranked. Uh, One bad trickle down of the Steelers' problems at defensive back might be people are going to expect more out of Joe Hayden than he can deliver. Hayden can only be what he is, not what he was. But the good news is 
I watched Cleveland last night a, a little bit on TV. And now week one for the Steelers suddenly doesn't seem so scary. The Browns beat Philadelphia 5-0 in a grotesque parody of football. It's like I turned on the TV to see NFL football and a pirate game broke out. 5-0. Ha! So what will you be looking for tomorrow in that Steelers game? What are your points of interest? Dial 412-333-WXDX or... Follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. The Pirates resume play tonight at Milwaukee. But the games don't really matter. When they got Archer and Kella, we thought the Pirates would be playing meaningful baseball in the September. As it turned out, the Pirates couldn't even sustain meaningful baseball for a couple weeks. And Hurdle was botched it, yeah, but... Point most of your fingers at the players. They got thrown a lifeline and turned into a bunch of gutless wonders. Or maybe batless wonders. The position players deserve most of the blame. The pitchers have done okay. In particular, Tyon and Musgrove, and especially Trevor Williams. You got to give Trevor Williams credit. His ERA since the All-Star break is .97. Not many Pirates stepped up, but Trevor Williams did. Uh, People are bitching online, on Twitter and in blogs, about bad umpiring at the Little League World Series because there have been some bad calls. Hey, I know. Let's bring in Joe West. I'm sure he'd do much better. Little League umpires are volunteers. It's kids playing baseball. It's not pro. It's not big money. It's kids playing baseball. We are so bound and determined to ruin everything. Here's what some jerk wrote at thebiglead.com. It is abundantly clear that Little League has a problem on its hands. Continuing to ignore it won't make it go away. Unquote. Ooh, and with such gravitas. Dude, go frig yourself. It's kids playing baseball. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I rarely talk about pit football, but I'm going to make an exception. A pit fanboy who has a fanboy blog wrote a fanboy story about how Pitt could start out 6-0 if they beat Penn State. Hey, fanboy, don't worry, because they won't beat Penn State. And if they lose to the Knits, they won't start out 5-1 either. And the cherry on top of that Sunday is, Narduzzi said today at the Pitt kickoff luncheon that Pitt would be playing in the ACC championship game. I'm not kidding. Narduzzi said today at the Pitt kickoff luncheon that Pitt would be playing in the ACC championship game. What a friggin' blowhard. Yo, Pat, I got two words for you. Zero chance. Let me say it again so I'm sure you heard me. Zero chance. On the bright side, Oscar Meyer 
has the Wiener Mobile in town. I saw it. It's impressive. It's a giant hot dog bus. It's almost as impressive as that giant yellow duck. Oh, wait. Here's the direct Narduzzi quote. Next time we'll see you is in Charlotte for the ACC championship game because we're going, unquote. That statement's weird on a bunch of levels. First off, for Narduzzi to predict Pitt in the ACC championship game, brah, I think you'll be lucky to be 500. And also, what's he mean next time we'll see you? All those people at the Pitt kickoff luncheon? Is he going to avoid them all season? Believe me, he might have good cause to avoid them all season, but then he won't see them at the ACC championship game either. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. This is the Mark Madden Show. In just a moment, I'm going to pay tribute to Chris Boswell. Got that new contract yesterday. Let's take a good look at, at what this guy has done and what he is. Miami and Atlanta played baseball last night. Guess who hit a home run and guess who got hit by a pitch? Baseball ain't going to change. The mentality is just never going to change. And we'll talk a bit about high school football starting in Western Pennsylvania tonight. In a situation with the Whipple Championship Games, for the first time in over three decades, they're not going to be on TV. And that's a situation that needs to be fixed. Also, the great Craig Wolfley at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. It'd be the hoity-toity instead of the hoi-polloi. Double M, what's up? Idiots are often happy, but they have no real impact in this world. Unless, of course, they're good enough to make the NFL. The X at 105.9. Here's a great headline. It comes from The Onion. Kind of a latter-day national lampoon. The headline reads, Baseball statisticians unveil new analytics model. Uh, measuring the precise amount of joy they suck from the game. That is so right on the money. Unexpected pleasure. We thought Craig Wolfie would join us by phone at 3.30. He will be in studio. I wish we'd let him smoke his cigars in the studio, but uh, apparently that's non-negotiable with the, with the people who run the building. But Craig Wolfley at 3.30. As I mentioned, high school football starts tonight. Pine Richland... Uh, defending 6A State and Whippeal Champ. They play some academy from Miami, Florida that's ranked number one in the country by USA Today. That's at Pine Richland. The, the school's name is IMG Academy. Literally a sports factory. Uh, Pine Richland has an awesome program. Uh, Eric Kasparovich, my old buddy, he's an awesome coach. Uh, one of my childhood friends, Mike Kadick, his kid uh, plays for Pine Richland, real good lineman, and he's got himself a scholarship, I think, to Indiana, if memory serves. But I wish Pine Richland had played the number one team in the country last year when they had Phil Jerkovich at quarterback, the, the kid now at Notre Dame. Third on Notre Dame's depth chart, by the way, as a true freshman, and I bet Jerkovich gets on the field sooner and not later. According to Mike White of the Post-Gazette, IMG Academy has players from 18 states and Canada uh, coming to play Pine Richland tonight. 
Is that the purpose of high school football? I mean, these kids are getting developed to the max, and their opportunities will be limitless for having gone to IMG Academy in Florida. Oh, they're from Bradenton, Florida. I thought Miami, Bradenton, Florida. It's about time that town had a winner. Uh, But high school football, to me, the romance isn't being neighborhood against neighborhood. You know, you're playing the guys from the other side of town, and let's see who's better. Then again, back in those days, a team from Florida didn't come to Pittsburgh to play uh, one of the local schools. 412-333-9939. Miami and Atlanta played last night in MLB. That Acuna got drilled again. Remember uh, a week back? Urena from Miami hit him with the first pitch in the game in the elbow because he had homered to lead off the three previous games, all against Miami, all wins for Atlanta. And, of course, everybody wet their pants. Uh, Urena got suspended. He's back. The Miami manager, Don Mattingly, arranged his rotation so Urena would not pitch against Atlanta. The, the better to, to not ignite World War III. But so last night, Acuna got drilled again. He hit a home run in the third and got drilled by a pitch in the sixth. And then a Miami batter got drilled by way of retaliation. That's baseball, and it's just not going to change. Now, I'm assuming nobody gets suspended last night because batters got hit. Why not? Why'd you single out Urena? who only hit Acuna in the elbow. I'm tired of beating that drum, but it's also absolutely nonsensical. Uh, we spoke yesterday about the new contracts the Steelers gave to uh, Chris Boswell and also to, to Vince Williams. The Boswell story is so interesting because uh, Boswell has tried 95 field goals as a Steeler. He's converted 85. He converted from 53 yards out to beat Green Bay last year. He made four field goals to win games in the final minute last year, and that was in a five-week stretch. It is not a reach to say that Boswell saved the Steelers' season last year. But before he joined Pittsburgh, Boswell got cut twice by Houston and twice by the New York Giants. Why has Boswell succeeded in Pittsburgh? And at Heinz Field, which is such a tough field to kick at. I don't know. You don't know. I bet Boswell don't know either. But hey, good for that guy. Chris Boswell is such a big component for the Steelers and very worthy of the money he got yesterday. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'm going to talk more about this later. Remember yesterday, Michelle Beadle from ESPN said, She's not going to watch football anymore because football doesn't care about women. And I said, boy, she's a lot better at being a martyr than she is a TV personality. But I, I misspoke. I was wrong. You know what Michelle Beadle's really good at? Making it about herself. That's what she did. She took the NFL and made it about herself. She keeps that up. They're going to elect her president. Up next in studio, the great Craig Wolfley, 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Uh, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. Joining me now, live in studio, fresh from a good cigar, 
He's the Steelers Radio Network sideline reporter and an all-time Steeler great. He is Craig Wolfley. Wolf, uh, what what was your preferred cigar of the day? What did you indulge there in? There was a Partagas. Nice Partagas. What does that define? Uh, That's a brand name? Yeah. That's the best way I can describe Cubano? it. Cubano? That uh, would be illegal. No, no, no. So if it was, don't tell me. Yeah, I, I, I won't. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, we got the big exhibition, and it really is a, a big preseason game tomorrow against Tennessee at Heinz Field. And Ben's going to play a bit. What's the risk and reward with him playing? Because I'm really not sure I'd play Ben at all before the regular season. Uh, what's the logic, and, and how much would be too much? How long do you expect him in there? I wouldn't expect him... <sighs> Playing any more than a quarter, maybe just starting in the second or second quarter, depending on whether or not they roll the chains or not. If that offense gets on track, they come out and they start getting some first downs, and and you know you get a field goal, touchdown, what have you. Those are the things that you look for. You just want to see a smooth operation. Let him get his feet wet. Let him because going into the stadium versus practice is totally different. I mean, you go in there when things are flying around and, and you have what, what goes on and during the course of a game. All you want to do is get adjusted to the speed, the tempo, and make sure that uh, the receivers are seeing the ball coming out when you, come, when, you, when you let that baby fly. It's different. Landry's different. Josh, Josh Dobbs, you know, and, and Mason, all those guys got the, the, the point of, of release and, and where they're throwing, where they're looking and everything. All you want, Ben, is to get comfortable with his receivers and get out there and just knock a little ring rust off. Now, what does this game mean? Uh, it's only preseason, but after Green Bay, which which wasn't good for Pittsburgh, I think the Steelers want to get the arrow pointed in the right direction uh, to prove it to themselves, if nobody else. Well, there's no question. You're right on. Look, you want to come out. This is a dress rehearsal for the Cleveland game. This is what you you're coming out with all your guys, and you want to see execution. You don't want to see mental mistakes. You don't want to have those things happening. You want to be able to iron things out and see a nice, smooth flow amongst the offense. You want to see your defense running the ball, getting off the field after three downs, doing what you can do early on, and then turn it over to the young guys. We talk about the DBs a lot. We certainly did last week, but I'm not sure we've talked enough about Cam Sutton. Uh, people have been. Sp- speaking very highly of him, his performance in the preseason. Where does he fit in right now? Well, right now he is uh, kind of getting – he's, he's settled into Mike Hilton's place a little bit. You know, last year Mike Hilton came on because Cam Sutton was hurt. They had really – they drafted Cam Sutton with the idea that this guy could be a nickel corner, and then he pulled his hamstring, and so now you've got Mike Hilton having the opportunity, and, and – it was a great opportunity for Mike, and he excelled in it. And he came out and did some great stuff and added, oh, just a nice high-voltage uh, pressure off of blitzes. You know, he's so short. He comes down. He gets alongside of Bud Dupree. You can't see him. Yeah, you don't see him very well. And then he just weaves his way through, and all of a sudden he is like uh, a rash in the chest of a quarterback. So uh, for Mike Hilton, it was a great opportunity to exploit that, that, that when the train comes, you get on it and you go. And for Cam Sutton, who later on came on and did some really nice things later in the second half of the season, um, that it shows what it shows you is this guy is really capable. He missed training camp. He missed the first half of the season. Mike Tomlin always talks about the moving train. Well, he caught the moving train. If a guy can catch a moving train in his rookie year and be a substantial performer by the end of the season, it makes or heightens your anticipation of what he's capable of doing. OTAs, mini camps, preseason, this guy's coming on, and I really like Cam Sutton. Now, you compared him to Mike Hilton, and I think that's valid, but he's obviously not going to take Hilton's spot, per se. And here's my fear on behalf of Sutton. He might be too versatile. 
If you can play everywhere, that's what they're going to want you to do. And sometimes when you're versatile, it's tough to become a regular at any one spot. Well, you've got a point. You know, and we were talking about this a little bit off the air. Right. And, and, and part of coaching is being able to identify a guy who is ready and primed to move from that jack-of-all-trades to settling him into a spot. One of the examples I gave you was Tunch Ilkin, who uh, was really a jack-of-all-trades, played right tackle to left tackle, all points in between, both guards, center, what have you. And Ron Blackledge came to him at the, the one point in time in his career and said, what can I do to help you get better? And he said, leave me in one spot. Because you get you groove that one spot, and, and you're able to really excel, and all your talents come together. But the good part for him is his capability in playing all these positions. You learn the intrinsic angles, whether it's corner, nickel, on the safety positions. You start to see the game from a 30,000-foot perspective, and then you bring that together in experience when you settle into one spot. So he's able to bring all those attributes together in one spot if you can, if you can actually put him in one spot. Well, I think that's going to come sooner, not later. In fact, it would not shock me if he became a, a starter somewhere by midseason. Now, I want to talk about Morgan Burnett. You hear whispers that he's been disappointing in the preseason, but I would kind of bet he's just A, settling in, and B, waiting for the real games. we got to consider, it's like this guy's a rookie. He's been around a while. He's just new here. No question about it. Now, I don't think you got any problems with Morgan Burnett. Everything that I've heard and watched uh, is this guy's a true pro, and I don't think he's a disappointment. I think what's disappointing is he hasn't been on the field as much as he would like. Yes, because one, two things that you came out of last season. Number one is you got to raise your tackling ability. Number two is you got to raise your communication level amongst the secondary members. He fits the bill in both. He is a good tackler, and he's a guy who who really helps excel with the the communication ability of the secondary. So, given that, when you're not out there on the field, that's where the disappointment in my mind lies. We're talking to Craig Wolfley, all-time Steeler great here on 105.9 The X. Wolf, before you came into studio, I was talking about Chris Boswell's new deal, very well-deserved How does a guy get cut four times elsewhere and then come to Pittsburgh and be such a difference maker? A a clutch guy. I can't figure it out. You know, it it is difficult. I mean, how do you get into the psyche of a man who's been through the grind four times, has come up short, and then you suddenly settle in when you have that opportunity? I look at... Like Jeff Reed, when Jeff Reed came in and, you know, he, it was a tryout and he comes in and he gets uh, the, the kicking job. Look at Gary Anderson, who was cut in Buffalo after a great career at Syracuse University, which included in his first winter game asking if he could stay in the locker room and then could they call him out when they needed him <laughs> kick because he, he didn't like snow. I'm going to guess they told him no. Yeah, yeah, they told him no. We need you out here. But, you know, you look at that. He, he comes from Buffalo being cut and then he lands in Pittsburgh and then goes on to have a 23 year career in the NFL. Right. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. And Boswell kind of going down that same path. And the more amazing part is about Boswell, he's so good at Heinz Field, which might be the toughest place to kick in the league. What makes Heinz Field so hard to kick at? I know it's a bit better since they kind of closed the one end. But it's still pretty tough, isn't it? It is, because I think a couple things have happened. They've closed the one end, and I think uh, the grass has gotten better. And they've settled issues with that on the field. They do a great job now with with the grass as it is. And whatever the bugaboo was before, it doesn't seem to be near as much poor kickers now. And you look at Boz, I mean... You know, I love that we, we kid him a lot because we called him the Wizard of Boz. One of the times Tunch was talking about, he saw him in the in the locker room. He's doing shrugs with 405. So we call him Traps. 
You know what wow. I mean? Yeah, I mean, he's a skinny little kicker, and he's got a lot of latent power in that body, and it really unveils itself. And he kicks with his whole body. Yeah, he does. I mean, he lets that It's baby like he fly. comes through it with his whole body. That, everything he's got, including the shrug. <laughs> <laughs> now, another new contract to Vince Williams. Uh, what are your expectations for him this year? And is he going to be the inside backer that stays on the field most of the time? Because it looks like there can be only one, and it looks like it's going to be him. It looks like that would be how I you at least start the season, or that's the idea going into it right now. Things still have to flesh it out a little bit. John Bostick, who's been getting a tremendous amount of snaps in the preseason for a veteran guy, they've let him try to settle in there. They want him to get comfortable, get comfortable with the guys, get comfortable with the defensive calls, and get comfortable with his assignments and what they expect of him. He looks like a solid guy. I mean, the guy's ham hocks and ligamentation running through the backside of him. He comes up and he's got some power. But right now, Vince is the guy, and you look at his eight sacks. I mean, he's got an uncanny ability to rush the passer. Very nice. Yeah, for an inside backer. Yeah, where do you see eight sacks? That's his biggest strength. Yes, that and his his ability is downhill bang. And Vince is a a guy who's been coming on. He's he's a good, solid linebacker, and we'll see where he goes. Now, A.B.'s not going to play tomorrow. He's had kind of a gimpy camp, hasn't he? Well, there's something going on, and I don't know exactly what it is, but you know they're moving him along in a nice, slow manner, uh, as as befitting a guy who's getting up there in years now. Yeah, I mean, and a guy who needs to be near 100% physically to function at top level. Some no guys question. don't. I think A.B. does. Well, there's no question because, let's face it, he's not a 4-3 guy. He needs all those attributes together uh, in, in one package for him to be A.B., but... That package is, is without a doubt, unquestionably, we've seen the best five-year stretch of any wide receiver in the NFL, and let's hope that continues. What about TJ1, Vince McDonald? They've, they've missed a lot of time. What's going on with them? Yeah, well, you got the hammy going with, with uh, TJ, and one of the things you want to do with a hammy, because they are tempestuous, as, uh, as, as anybody who's been out there and had a hamstring knows, uh, you never really know your full go until you go full go and find out. But if That's you go too problem. early, you could... You can... Go backwards. Exactly. Bingo. So the idea is these things can turn into something chronic, and you want to make sure chronic is not part of the package when you go out there. One of the interesting things that you find out and one of the advances in the NFL is these GPSs, and they can actually register how fast a guy's moving. So you can use that to be able to increase their load in their training sessions and incrementally, which, I, you know, to me, how can you tell the difference between a guy running at 17 miles an hour and 16 miles an hour? Well, that's how, how in tune these guys are, and you get that feedback and understand you can test it out a little bit more than back in the day when, like I said, you, you step on the gas and go and hope it all holds together. What about Vance McDonald? Now, Vance, you got Cause, that Because they, they, they need him. I mean, They I, do need that's him. That's no knock on Jesse James and Grimble and them, but, but I just think that, that Vance McDonald might wind up being, I don't want to say secondary target, but pretty close to. You would think, especially coming off of the Jacksonville playoff loss yes. last year. I mean, the guy had, what, 11 catches? And Ben of, loves him. Yeah. And, ben and, loves the tight end, period. Exactly. But I will say this. In his um, departure from practice, Jesse James has taken full advantage of it. And this yes. guy has performed very, very well. So is Grimble, I think. Grimble, too. Uh, he's been out in the last, what, was he in Green Bay? Did he hurt his thumb or something? I yes, can't remember. Yes, he did. Okay, so... He hasn't had as much opportunity, but, but up till Jesse, then. yeah, up till then he's looked good. But Jesse is the guy where he's starting to put the bang on people. He's walking people off the line of scrimmage. He captures the edge setter, moves them backward. And you know, I was I was just hanging with him in practice the other day, and I looked and 
I said, doggone, look at those guns on him. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's gotten bigger. He's, he's a young guy. He was only, I think, 20 when he got here. And so, you know, for him to come on now, he's just getting his man strength on. Uh, Dupree and Watt switch sides, and it seems to be helping Dupree, but we don't know yet what it's going to do for Watt, do we? No, we don't know yet. And, and TJ, the one thing about him, he's, he's a workaholic on pass rush. You know, he is a function of not any, you know, ton of attributes, physical attributes like being quick and, and all those things. He's a culmination of hard work and, and getting a great idea of what to do. He throws the uppercut. He's got to swim, uses his hands very well. He's a smart guy. He's a heady guy. I think having him on that side, the left side, as you face the quarterback, um, he also, in, when he drops into pass coverage, I think it's advantageous to him because he has a good sense of pass coverage. He, he's able to read the quarterback's eyes better. So I think that's one thing. On the other side, Bud, if you watch him in takeoffs, team takeoffs, he is just about the first guy always in the in the defensive reactionary drills where they come off the ball. And even to the point where Mike Tomlin came by the other day and said, don't let Bud win this one, don't you? Because he wins so many of them. So with that great acceleration coming out, if he can keep shaving it and running hard at the quarterback and do so from the blind side and get into some of these left tackles and, and use that great strength of his, I think uh, we might see a very improved Bud, Bud Dupree. You know where Bud impressed me at Green Bay? There were some packages in there where he came up the middle on the rush. I really like those. How often will they do that, Wolf? And what are the pros and cons? What are you putting at risk when you do that? With an outside backer. Well, one of the things you take away immediately is is having anybody, uh, you're going to have somebody else have to cover the flat or have it cover a back or something like that. When you come on a twist, you come around and you start up the middle. And one of the things that Bud has shown, even on the left side, his ability to weave his way through traffic on the inside and get into the quarterback's face. The other thing that they've done, they'll go with like a 3-3 stack and they'll have him stacked off the line of scrimmage. And one of the benefits of that is if you got the protection right, you get him matched up with a running back, which is, I love that win because that's a flying headbutt coming off of <laughs> Bud Dupree with a 15-yard, 12-yard run at the guy. How much will the Steelers scheme for, for tomorrow well, for that third preseason game? Because they usually do scheme for the third preseason game, right? How much will we see the dime and the dollar? I don't know yet how much we're going to see, but there's going to be some. You know, they're going to throw things out there. They want to see how guys react to a little game planning. You know, everybody's been playing vanilla. They want to see a guy win in physical matchups and not worry about schemes. Well, now they want to scheme a little bit and see, can you handle the game plan? When we make these calls, are you able to adjust? Are you able to uh, win the battle that we we now schemed and put you in? For instance, uh, Bud Dupree, you get him in a stack. All right, we got the protector. Madden. Let's face it, you've always been in love with me, and this is just your moment of clarity. I don't think so. Oh, I know so. The X at 105.9. Tomorrow's a big day for your favorite super genius. Uh, 12.30 p.m., Liverpool hosts Brighton. Liverpool looking for a 3-0 start to the English Premier League season. Then tomorrow night at Key Bank Pavilion, what is supposed to be the final Pittsburgh area appearance of Leonard Skinner. Currently on what is purported to be their farewell tour, but I've heard that kind of crap before from how many other bands. I've literally been to three Kiss farewell tours. But I, I, think, I think Kiss has a little bit more integrity, a little bit, excuse me, Skinner has a little bit more integrity than Kiss. I think the Trump administration might have more integrity than Kiss. Uh, but uh, I'll talk more about Skinner later, but 
If you haven't seen the Showtime documentary currently airing on Skinner, it's brand new. Uh, it's called If I Leave Here Tomorrow. It's very good. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I finally saw Chappaquiddick, the movie. And it's not very good. It's deadly dull. Like a, a documentary. I mean, a, a dramatized documentary. It's not exactly breaking news that the Kennedys are entitled douchebags who can get basically out of anything, so the movie did not break much new ground. By the way, my name was not mentioned, or uh, uh, here's something that, that I think deserves discussion. The Whippeal Football Championship games won't be televised in 2018. They've been televised for over 30 years on AT&T Sportsnet and its predecessors, but now we're told the Whippeal wants too much money. The Whippeal is supposed to be for the kids. Those games being on TV is a big deal for the kids. The Whippeal should take less money and get those games on TV. Period. In 30 seconds, we're going to call the Pirates' month of August what it really is. A collapse. That's what it really is. 105.9.